Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. This is episode 15 of the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast. And in today's show, we're going to be talking about all things cycling and how this can be one of your foundations for a fitter, healthier lifestyle without needing to spend hours on the road. Joining me on the podcast today is cycling guru, Tim Ramsden. Tim is part of the Association of British Cycling Coaching and has a first class honours degree in physical education. Hi, Tim. Thanks for joining me on today's show. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Very well, thank you. And um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking the time out. I know you're a very busy guy. So um, for those people that may not have come across you before, Tim, would you be able to um, give us some some background on Tim, you and and how you've come to, to where you're at today? Yeah, sure. Um, it's a, first of all, it's, it's great to um, great to be invited on and um, and to connect with your with your listeners. Um, my my story um, really to from the beginning to, to where I am now is uh, is pretty much about Sundays. Um, I when right. I when I was eleven or twelve years old um, going to school. I really didn't like Sundays at all, and uh, I was growing right. up, growing up in Leeds in the seventies. It was pretty grey, and um, mm-hmm. all I could think about was going to school the next day. And a friend of mine, his dad was a cyclist, um, and he he started taking us out on the on the bikes that we had. And his dad was a was a club cyclist, and he wore lots of bright colours and um, a right. Italian bike and things like this. And and it was just a massive change for me to look at uh, at this whole different culture. Um, if you like. So um, on a Sunday, I, my Sunday started to become going out with my friend and his dad with some sandwiches in our back pockets, in our shorts, um, <laughs> times of year, and um, going out into the Yorkshire Dales and generally enjoying the countryside, riding uh, riding the hills that we could, walking the ones that we couldn't. Um, and right. that's pretty much where it started for me. But um, to, to go from there, um, I, I kind of, cycling's like an old, it's like an old friend and you kind of Sometimes uh, there isn't room for it in your life, and um, and sometimes it's the it's the one thing that you need, and it just yeah. coming back. You know, you you meet people who are cyclists, and it's uh, it's almost like a form of Freemasonry in a way. You know, you, you just know who they are. You know, and um, basically, yeah. uh, I picked it up again when I was when I was about eighteen years old, and I'd become really quite overweight at that time. I'd started right. started a new job and I was still living at home. My mum was feeding me and I was feeding myself a work <laughs> in the canteen. And I thought, no, come on, look, you used to be pretty fit here. Let's uh, let's get the bike out again. That that luckily yeah. uh, coincided with me um, making a, a geographical move and um, right. coincided with me joining another club um, and and just really sort of getting more into the racing side of things, um, which I which I started to do in my late teens. Um, and into my early twenties, and um, as as I did that and became more more aware of training, um, and looked at people around me and what they were doing, um, I also had a I was also lucky enough to have someone um, who was a qualified coach but was very forward thinking, um, who who looked mm-hmm. at a, a number of us doing things like circuit training in the winter that was very specific right. for cycling, 
and um, I began to I began to become very interested in coaching as well as as well as my own performance and particularly to improve my own performance. So as I went through my twenties, right. I I sort of picked that up with um, with with using the, the the most basic sports science stuff that was available at the time. This is back in the early eighties, and there, there wasn't a great deal out. Okay, there. Um, and I I eventually stumbled upon. Um, various methods of, of improving my performance very simply, very basically, um, and involving not too much time. And, and that was what I was right. thought of at the time. You know, I had, I had a job like everybody else, and I didn't have a great deal of time. And as I went through my 20s and, and became uh, more into, uh, into the family side of things, then, then that became much, much, much more important. Um, I'm, now, I'm now actually in my 50s, and, um, you know, obviously have, have a family and, and, and have, if anything, less time than I have when I was in yes. 20s and 30s. But the, the thing yeah. that I've learned over the years is that the, the quality um, of your training and what you do with it and the way that you structure it makes a huge, huge difference. And I've, I've passed that on. Really. Yes. I've become a, as I've become a coach and I've coached, I guess, informally from in my 20s, but professionally from my, my late 30s. And I've been doing this now as a full-time career for, for a long time, you know, for 10 or 12 years now. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, and, it, and it does very well. Um, but the, the, the vast majority of people who come to me, although I coach from national and international level, um, right. the vast majority of people who come to me now are people who, one, have never been in a club, two, have never raced, three have got a bike and, and, and four really just want to improve. And um, the vast majority of those people are people with little time to train, you know, maybe less than six hours a week, less than five hours a week. They have families. Yeah. So it's it's a subject that really, I suppose it's been, it's been 30 odd years in the making for me doing this, but um, I'm very, very, very much um, of the opinion that if you, if you look at what you're doing, with even just a basic level of knowledge, and that's all you need, um, you can really, really yeah. improve. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so key what you brought up there because, and I and I don't think that that's just related to cycling necessarily. I think it's related to all kind of areas of fitness, and that's this notion where we either have to go out and spend an hour in the gym, or we have to go out on a you know a, a two three hour bike ride. And all of that's good if if that if you have the time and you really enjoy it. That I'm not knocking that, but but you know the, the angle in which we're coming to this from is that both you and I have busy lives and we also have families. So you know, family comes first, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't you you know you can't do cycling or you can't do a specific sport. If you apply some some intelligence around it and some structure around it you can still achieve the same outcome so i think i think what you've said there is really really key because you know you, the kind of picture you have in your head or i do at least anyway when you, when you talk about cycling is is these kind of what we call marmills middle-aged men in lycra on a sunday morning out with all their their friends you know they've got time on their hands spend you know all morning out on their bikes taking up the road annoying drivers um, and that's kind of cycling where as as you've said that doesn't necessarily you know uh, need to be the case and, and the other point I wanted to pick up on where you was introducing there is 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 around the alternative ways in which you can improve cycling and that is via circuit training because again with any sport if you want to participate in that sport the, the kind of general 
um, approach is that you just go and do that sport. Whereas if you do that sport and some other things around the outside of it, you can actually improve in the sport that you you know you want to participate in. So I think I think I think that's that's really really important to to point out. So. Sorry, go on. You was going to say something. Just picking up on the circuit training side of things, it's interesting because the um, the, the pendulum swings um, in terms of in terms of training. The, there's nothing new under the sun in terms of what you can do right. um, from a sports science point of view, from a nutrition point of view. Every, everything has been the same for about twenty odd years. Um, it, yeah. You know, the training side of things. All you're doing now really is just using more metrics to measure rather than anything else. The circuit training and, and, and what we used to call weight training, which is now um, known as strength and conditioning, again, hasn't changed. Yeah. I mean, if I showed you my, my, my training program from the 1980s um, that was set by, yeah. by a coach, you'd see that in the off season, very few of us did very much cycling. We all did circuits, mm. weight training, swimming, all of those kind of things. That all kind of went out of fashion for a while in the 90s and the early 2000s. And now it's all come back into fashion. But but the, the, yeah. the basic premise here is that whatever you do, you are keeping fit. So it's important if, if you're just sitting on a bike all day, um, or not even mm. day, but just for you know five or six sessions a week, there are th- there are certain things that you will miss. Um, you know, core training, things like that. Um, just just yeah. little, you know, weight bearing exercise. And as you get older. If you if your listeners here, you know, like me, are, are into into decade number five, for example, yeah, you need to balance up what you do, um, definitely with, with something that's that's weight bearing as well. Um, so it's, it's interesting one, you know, the, the pendulum swings always um, with, uh, with with training with everything in life. You know, some things go away and then they come back again under a different yeah. guise. Um, but I think you know, very important to mix things up. Yeah, I think you're right. Everything does go in cycles. If you look back over history, you know, everything does go, pardon the pun, cycles. Um, but yeah, I think that's a very important point. So, you know, with, with, with guys that are listening to this that are like you and I, that perhaps they, they really like the idea of, of, of cycling. Um, they've got young children, but they perhaps, you know, there's just no way that they can spend an hour on a Sunday or an hour on a Saturday out of the bike because of family commitment. What would you recommend is the best way for somebody just to kind of get started? Okay, so so this really also comes back to, um, I suppose here, a little bit of theory as well and, and a little bit of science. The, the, um, the, the principles here are, are really quite simple. If, if you're someone who's just coming in and you've got limited time, then... yeah. The, the temptation is to look and to kind of to, to overthink it a little bit and to think, OK, well, you know, I, I'm looking at what other people are doing. I'm, I'm looking at the amount of training programs, for example, that are out there that are online. And I can cherry pick this or that. I can do some of this. But actually what you lack is an overall cohesion and structure. So the very basic thing to look at is, OK, if you're going to come in and start training and improve your performance, you don't need to make it particularly complicated you need to allocate a certain amount of time a week but it could be it could be as little as to start with 20 to 30 minutes in a session yeah. and that could be four times a week something like that now if you can spare right. and most people can spare 20 to 30 minutes then then you're on a you know then you've got a good start the the theory really with um 
with doing less is it it comes down to structuring things essentially so if you're just picking workouts out of the you know going on the internet and saying what do i do for 20 minutes i'm using heart rate maybe i've got some heart rate zones i've worked out or you know the, or my I've, I've invested in a brand new turbo trainer and it measures power and things like this and i can use this yeah. you know something like trainer road or um suffer fest or anything like that to, to make me better well, well that's all you know it's all fine and you will improve up to a point but unless unless you actually know um how to structure it and know how to progressively overload your training then you will get to a point at which you'll plateau okay yeah so the, the kind of the theory here is first thing is when you structure it you 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 need to be working at a certain level so there's no there is, there is, unless you really are sort of a complete beginner and you're just conditioning yourself, in which case this will just get on and ride um, for 20 minutes or so, certainly for the first two, three weeks, just until you get the hang of it, really. And I'm talking here about um, primarily, say, about using a gym bike or an indoor trainer. Um, if you're going to do this on the road, it's the same. You know, if you've got half an hour, you go out, you just ride. Um, if you're just starting this kind of thing, that's all you need. Do that three times a week just to get get into it but once you start looking at structuring things then it becomes important to to look at the quality of what you're doing so for example if you let's let's take let's take a, a rider who's um who's just got onto uh, onto a hill for example okay so they're, they're climbing a hill and we're going, oh, you know, you all know this sensation. And anyone who's listening, who's ridden a bike knows this sensation that it's all great when you're going along on the flat. As soon as the hill comes on, <laughs> all of a sudden it's a lot harder. And let's say for argument's sake that you've got a friend with you who's, who's decided to, to do this with you and you're having a chat. So in the course of this yeah. chat, as the road climbs and, and you become, you know, your effort level goes up, you're going to find it a little bit more difficult to talk. So you're going to find that actually you're giving words, you know, maybe three or four word answers before before you take a breath. You know, how did how did you get on at uh, at the football yesterday? Oh, we lost three 0 You know that that kind of thing. At that level, you're actually working pretty closely to to what people refer to as threshold. Okay, and that's a term that's bandied about a lot these days. But actually, research um, shows that 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 level, that what you call a gossip threshold pretty much equates to threshold power um, in terms of a a lab. And you'll you'll hear with cycling now an awful lot talked about threshold, particularly in track. So so sorry to interrupt. So so just to to kind of describe threshold. So threshold for me is at the point where you are exerting yourself to to – well, you're exerting your body to the point where – you know, you're you're really deeply breathing, right? It's difficult to hold a conversation. You're nearly at your, you know, your body's nearly at its max heart rate. Is that is that a fair comment? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit below that, but yes, I mean, it's it's at the if you think in terms of the actual words, it would be four or five words in a sentence before you could actually breathe. Uh, but before you before yeah. you breathe, that's the wrong thing to say. Before um, before you would have to breathe. So it. That, it's that sensation, whereas you, at your max, you are, you know, you're, you're pretty much your breathing is out of control. It's quite ragged. Um, so it's that, I suppose yeah. that I suppose the, the difference here would be um, just in terms of you could keep going. OK, but but, yeah, right, okay. you know, is is, is is kind of, you know, is debatable. It's hard, but you can do it. That's that's 
old level. So yes, I mean, so if you're riding up the hill at that level, then that that kind of level and just below it is ideal for training. So if if you're going on, going and doing a training session and you only have 30 minutes, if you're working primarily around that level, you'll get a lot out of it. You get a lot more out of it than you will do getting on and being in a being at the situation where you could have that full conversation, tell your friend the football score, tell him who got picked, tell him who got sent off, et cetera, et cetera, without taking a breath. So it's it's that kind of level. Yeah. And obviously in between those two levels, or just below that four or five words, just below threshold, is pretty much ideal training for someone who's just come in. Yeah. Um so it's it's strenuous, but it's not too hard. So it's you're out of breath, but you're not hugely out of breath um yeah. and if you wanted to put that into a context then um you know and i'll come to that a bit later on with giving you more specific advice okay. um but you, know, you can use heart yeah. rate for that okay yeah no i think that i think that's really important and, and one thing that i i want to kind of bring out of that and that is if you are coming to this new or coming to it cold so to speak and you know this is one of the you know the first few times you've been out on on your bike on the road and you experience what tim has just described and that is this kind of getting to threshold where things are, are tough to 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 kind of get to the point where it becomes slightly easier takes quite a while for your body to start conditioning and start to getting used to you know raising its level of fitness um to to you know to to be able to kind of climb that particular hill that you're used to climbing um without too much trouble and i think one of the the things that i always find when i speak to people who are new to this when the first time they experience that kind of threshold of the burning sensation in their chest and the short of breath that they kind of assume that there's something wrong with them and there's not and it's just the fact that you're exerting your body you know more than you've experienced in the past so what i'm trying to say is that you have to get used to this and over time it will gradually get easier is that is that fair to yeah, say absolutely Tim? it's um th- this is the thing you know we, we don't i i suppose the, the vast majority of people wouldn't experience that kind of sensation um, at all unless they no. train and, and until you've done it um this is really mm. it you don't know what it feels like. And, and actually, you know, as, as you say, quite rightly, you might feel like actually that really, I, I didn't like that very much. It was really quite unpleasant. And I'm not sure I want to do that again. But the, the whole point of the whole point of training is that um, whilst once you get into training, you'll want to push yourself like that. And, and that's just something that happens mm-hmm. as you get more enthusiastic about it. The, the more you work like that initially, the, the more you'll find that your that your speed on the road, that your ability to go up the hills easier, just improves, you know, mm-hmm. really improves. And you, and you don't have to spend every session at that level. As I say, if you just take a right. little bit below um, that kind of threshold level, that that level there, which in cycling parlance might might be known as as, as tempo, um, you'll hear people talk about zones and you know more kind of zone three i suppose Um, and i'm not going to go into zones today but but basically low threshold but it's you're still working quite hard um that kind Mm -hmm. of training really really makes a big difference of course the other kind of training that really makes a huge difference um is to go very very short and very very hard and in 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 recent years 
Um, the research with regard to high intensity interval training, which is HIT, which most people will probably have heard of in one context or another. Things like Tata, who was yeah. a, a Japanese um, sports scientist who trained speed skaters. Yeah. Um, the big, big, big improvements that you can make by doing very, very hard full gas intervals for, say, for example, a Tabata principle would, a protocol would be 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off for four minutes. Um, very, very tough, but you have to do it all very hard. Those kind of intervals give you the best bang for your buck over everything else right across the board. They improve your power, yeah. they improve your threshold power, um, they improve your fitness all around, and they also burn more calories as well than you go out and do that yes. kind of session. Yeah. But they're incredibly hard. And because of that, I wouldn't yeah. recommend that if you're starting off. That would be something you'll build to. No. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a key point. You know, you have to look at this as a, and I, I mentioned this kind of cliche word as a journey. You know, if, if you enjoy cycling, it's something you want to incorporate into your fitness. You know, just look at it as something which is, is just an ongoing um, a thing that you do. And, you know, you can either stay at the level that, you, that you're at currently or you can push yourself slightly each time to improve. But, you, you know, you have to look at it as a, as a long-term thing. So you touched on there, Tim, um, a few kind of core principles. But what would you say, you know, there, there's, there's obviously going to be various different levels of people listening to this from beginners to kind of more intermediate and advanced cyclists. I'm working on my, on my own kind of um, area at the moment, and that's I'm trying to increase my power, trying to increase my, my average speed. So what kind of principles, I would imagine there's some core principles that you can follow regardless of what level you're at. What would you say that yeah, they are? I mean, the, the, the main thing really is to look at, is to look at training. And we, we take this and look at it as a whole and say, well, you know, what, how, how many times should you train a week, for example? So the, the, mm. the key here is four sessions a week is great. Whether those sessions are 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, it doesn't matter. But the frequency is what is important yeah. rather than the duration. So three, three sessions yeah. you can improve on. Four sessions are 50% better than three. The science all says that, um, basically. Yeah. If you go to five sessions, that's even better than four. But proportionately, it's not much better. So your, your four yeah. sessions is an, is an optimal. Three is good. Four is better. So always aim for four, even if those four sessions are, you know, very short sessions. It doesn't matter. Try to get the frequency going first. Yeah. That's that's the key. For people who yeah. have busy lives, that's often easier because they'll be able to find four slots yeah. of 20 minutes somewhere. Um, whereas find yeah. three slots of two hours or two slots of three hours is more difficult. So on the principle that yeah. anyone can you know, th this is for everyone at any level. Four sessions is your ideal. That's your gold standard. The, in terms of right. how you, you, you might do that and, and what you might, might look at, well, one of the things that you can use here that's very, very effective to start off with is, is, is using your heart rate, okay? And um, people who are listening will, will, will think, well, you know, how, how do you do that? I mean, Nowadays, if you if you've had any experience with a gym or anything like that, there there have been options for a long time to use heart rate. It's just that I think heart rate to a degree has fallen a little bit out of fashion in, in training, but it is extremely extremely effective yeah. and it's very cheap to access. So the the first thing that you would need to know is really um, that hill that we were talking about earlier, where you're going up 
there and you're talking yeah. four words a minute and you're at that, that point. What you'd need to do on that hill, just towards the top of the hill, is just go from that level that you were at and just go a little bit harder so that you're going over the top of the hill and you think, do you know what? I couldn't have gone any faster then. Okay. So once you yeah. get to that level, you can take your pulse for that. Now you can do it the old fashioned way. You can find your pulse in your, in your wrist. You can find your pulse in your neck. You can have a, a watch on or your phone with you and you can time that over six seconds and multiply it by 10 and that will give you a pulse rate. Or you can go out and you can buy for less than less than 30 quid, I think 25 pounds, I saw one for the other day, a very inexpensive but very effective heart rate monitor. And believe me, if you're starting doing this, right. you know, listeners who are listening now and they're thinking, I want, to, I want to take this up and I want to improve my fitness, I want to lose weight um, and I want to get better overall fitness, heart rate monitor is a massively, massively important investment to make. And it's not very much money. Yeah. It really isn't. So once you've got that max heart rate, you can start using it. And this is what I did back in back in the 1980s. This was what was available at the time, but it works very effectively. So let's say, for example, you get to the top of that hill and your heart rate is 200 beats a minute. Okay. All right. 200 beats a minute sounds a lot, but yeah. remember, never Never compare yeah. your heart rate with anyone else's. Everybody's different. Okay? No. So you get up to the top of that hill and uh, you've got 200 beats a minute. You make a mental note of that. You pedal home. Um, and when it comes to your next session, you you look at that and say, well, okay, for me to make progress, I need to take 45 beats a minute off that. Okay, so 155 beats a minute. All right. So, so that would be your 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 floor level if you like every time you go on the road every time you get on an indoor trainer you warm up and you get your heart rate to about 145 okay oh sorry 155 which is about 45 beats a minute below your max so whatever your max is take 45 beats off then within that again as you do the sessions just think okay well from that 45 beats below below my maximum i can take it up as high as 25 beats below my maximum so for the guy who's got two, the guy or girl who's got 200 beats a minute uh, max, they can work at 155 to 175. And that's aerobic training. Yeah. Okay. That's all you know with that. Every time you get on and you do your sessions, you warm up and you work somewhere in that window. What you might want to do is you might want to say, okay, I'll start off, I'll do a warm up, I'll leave my heart rate around 155. And then towards the end of the session for the last five minutes, I'll just push it up a bit into the low 170s beats a minute. You'll feel when you do that, you'll feel the difference in effort. Now, your heart rate on a longer session will go up indoors. Okay, you know, it happens. It's cardiac drift. You get hot. It goes up. But over 20 minutes, 25 minutes, it's not going to go up that much. If you've got a, a cheap fan, a desk fan, that's even better. If you're on the road, it's not going to make a difference to you. Your heart rate won't be affected. Not in the UK, not unless we have a summer like we did last year. So th that kind of training is really simple. It sounds, in a sense, it sounds complicated because you're using a heart rate monitor. But actually, once you get to know your heart rate, yeah. you know, your max more or less, um, you can actually feel the difference here and feel the difference between just riding your bike or going out and trying a bit too hard on hills and actually training. And the difference is, is substantial once you get used to it. So if you start doing and working like that, a fitness response takes in between five to eight weeks for, for a normal, uh, you know, a normal fitness response for an individual okay. is in between five and eight weeks. But doing that kind of training with those kind of parameters 
four times, three times, four times a week, even for three weeks, you're going to start to see a difference. So when you go on the road, you're going to be moving faster. You're going to find that the gear that you were in before on your bike, that you were struggling to get the gear around, all of a sudden you can get that gear around. All of a sudden when you go to the go to a hill, you maybe don't need to change down your gears. You can maybe get out of the saddle and push up the hill a little bit better. So you will notice that even within a yeah. short um, space of time. That would be something yeah. that I would advise yeah. for a beginner. And, and I guess, you know, the, the main thing with that is, is to look at the key points of that, which are four sessions a week is great, but three sessions is fine. They don't have to be long sessions and have some kind of metric. You know, no. if you can use your heart rate, great. You know, that, that works really well. And it's relatively inexpensive. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's. I mean, that's great advice. And I think one thing that I would, would, would add to that, and, and that is around, you know, the structure and understanding before you do any kind of exercise, what you're doing it for. Because if you don't do that, you know, you're less inclined to actually make progress. And you're also less inclined to understand um, that you are actually making progress, you know, that where you started from and in five to eight weeks where you've kind of got to, um, you know, you, you're not going to know. And it's important that you do know that because that helps on so many levels. It helps obviously for motivation. It helps to see that you are progressing. It helps to see that you're doing the right type of training because, I mean, I, and I could talk about this topic for ages in terms of, of information, you know, Tim, you, you, you probably know this as much as me. There are, is so much information out there and you could go on Google, you could go on YouTube and all the rest of it. But unless you have structure around it and unless you understand how it fits with you, um, you're not going to get the results that you want. Yes, it's, it's good information and I'm not knocking any of it, but it has to be tailored to what you're looking to achieve where you're coming from and where you yeah, want to go 100%. to. Yeah, hundred percent. And the uh, the danger, I think, nowadays is that there, as you say, there is there is so much information, and there are so many people who um, who'll say, "Well, you know, this part here, you you could do, um, you could you could do this this type type of training, but there might be pitfalls with that, so you might have to do this time. You might need to mix this in, and you should consider this." And, and it becomes that sort of cliche paralysis by analysis, you know, and all you end up doing yeah. is nothing yeah. in the end. Um, in terms of coaching, I'm, you know, there, there, there are sort of people um, who you coach who are, who can be, who can be sometimes sort of put into a category and not that I like putting people into categories and it's, it's not often the case, but yeah. you do occasionally get people who can do all the numbers. They, they love all the software. They love power meters. They'll have heart rate. They'll have everything, metrics of measuring things, but they do very little training uh, because often they're, they're yeah. looking at it and saying, well, why has this gone down or why has that gone down? And then, you know, I, I will say to mm. them, well, actually, if you look back over the last three weeks, you, you've only trained twice, you know, and you're, you're yeah, exactly. too hung up on this. Yeah. The, the important thing is get a basic structure, yeah. understand what you're doing on a basic level. It doesn't matter beyond that. What matters is put the structure in. And when you start to do it, have some form of measurement if you can. Most people, most people, that would be yeah. they've got you know a five mile loop on their bike that they go out and they ride, they ride it, and they see yeah. what speed they do or they see what time they do it in. Now that's that's not most. It's not always the most yeah. reliable because you've got the weather, and one day it can be windy, one day it can be 
people. But, exactly, but generally yeah. speaking, it, it gives you a, a pretty good idea. Am I going a bit quicker here? You're going to get quicker as you progress. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think I think yeah, yeah, the other thing is um, is is the fact that if you have a plan, you don't have to think about it so much. You know, I have a, I have a, my coach, I, I still have a coach now and, and my coach every three weeks is changing my plan. He uploads it to the app. I just look at it the week ahead and, and I know what I've got to do. So, you know, when things get busy and life gets in the way, you, you don't have to, oh, I've got to go training. What am I going to do when I go training? If you have a plan, you've just got to look at the plan and say, right, I'm just going to execute on that and provide me I execute on that. I know where I'm going to. I know where I've come from. You know, we'll start to make progress in the right direction. So, I think that's 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 very important. Um, but in terms of cycling itself, I mean, it's it's now become for me anyway. Um, from when I was, did it when I was young, it's now become such a such a, I guess, uh, you can have all the gadgets and and all the bikes and everything else. It's become such an expensive sport if you want it to be. You know, there you can buy a Sorello P you know P five X now for fifteen grand. Um, and 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 you know it can be quite daunting for some people when they're first starting out. They think they've got to spend thousands on a bike and and then you've got all the gear and all the rest of it. So, you know, what would you suggest like the entry level person who's listening to this? Um, how they would approach, you know, buying the well, kit in the first place. It's a really place. valid point. I mean, cycling, you know, pound for pound has got extremely expensive now, very, very expensive. Um, but the, the nice thing is about cycling is that actually the, the stuff that was very expensive 10 years ago, 15 years ago in terms of um, in terms of bicycles and in terms of what bicycles are made of is now much less expensive. So um, you, it's, it's, it's an awful lot more accessible. So you know, just a quick trawl round. You you can you can find three or four um, big name big name um, cycling websites in the UK who will supply you a carbon fiber bike for um, you know with with a with pretty good equipment on it and a reasonable set of wheels for you know some somewhere in between eight eight hundred and a thousand pounds brand new. Now now if you if you're working for an employer and they're part of the cycle to work scheme, then you've already got a tax break on that as well. Yeah. Um, and that's worth it's not quite the scheme that yeah, it used to be but it's still pretty good so the but also you, what you have is once you start looking at bikes and let's face it if you're going to go into this you're going to have an interest in bikes you, you're not necessarily going to be someone who goes any bike will do it might do um you know you, you like that but it's all part of the fun yeah. isn't it? <laughs> saying well i'm gonna get and you know it i'm is. gonna get something Absolutely. that looks nice that i can afford it's budget so you're going to you're going to know your way around bikes and you're probably going to spend a couple of weeks having a look at bikes and thinking i like this one i don't like this one so the 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 nice thing about that is that once you find something that you like in in the price point that's new you can then use things like ebay um you know and have a look and see if anyone's um, second hand so realistically you can get something that's half decent for even less than 800 you know, if, if you don't if you don't mind not having carbon fiber, you can have an aluminium bike. You know, that's five or six hundred pounds. Yeah. It's still perfectly good. Um, it's that you know the 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 kind of the yeah. carbon fiber stuff is it's nicer to ride. To be fair, uh, it might not necessarily be any lighter at that price point, but it looks an awful lot nicer. And if you've got something that's nice, you're going to ride it. You know that 
the other thing. So in terms of bikes, I would yeah. say anywhere between anywhere between five five hundred to a thousand pounds new, and have a look for those bikes secondhand. And I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna plug names here, but there's a number. But there's, there's at least two very big UK based websites um, that very good quality bikes um, that are yeah. you know in that price point. So that's, that's worth looking at. Equipment wise, mm. then you you really have to have on the road a helmet you've got to have a helmet again you know don't don't get blown away with this have a look at helmets and you'll see a a staggering array of choices but again those those kind of websites that i've mentioned there you can get a really good um helmet that basically is is, is certified so it's safe so you have all those safety checks on it it looks really good looks very professional and you can get one of those that, you know, I've seen those and, and in fact bought a couple the other week for £15 each, you know, which is which is a, an absolute bargain when you consider wow. um, this, a similar yeah. kind of helmet that looks the same, but by a bigger name manufacturer might be over 100 or £150. Just crazy. So you've got to have a helmet. You, yeah. you, should really, yeah. you should really look at having cycling shoes. And again, you can pay... You can pay an, an incredible amount of money for those, or you can just keep it really simple. Um, for someone starting off, they're probably going to have something that that they can walk in as well. So maybe what you call um, an SPD cleats, which is uh, more more um, applicable to mountain bikes. And of course, remember you don't have to have a road bike; you can have a mountain bike. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. No, um, really. From there, yeah. you're going to need some sort of clothing, and, and that's really where um, you, you kind of stop and say, well how far down the route do I want to go and what clothing is going to be suitable for what I do. But helmet and shoes, I'd say, are are a must. Beyond that, you might want to buy a computer for your bike. Now, that's particularly true if um, if you're going to do indoor training, in which case you might want a turbo trainer as well. But you don't have to have any of these things. Um, The the turbo trainer, if you're someone who's getting, who wants to get fit, enjoy cycling, maybe drop some weight as well. But crucially, you want to make the most out of your time in terms of a turbo trainer, I would say just a very basic model, again, 70, 80 pounds worth is is a must. Or if you've got access to, you know, a gym bike, a spin bike or anything like that that you use. But a turbo trainer is better because all you need to do is put your bike on it. It's there. You can come in, get up in the morning or come in from work. It's all ready to go. You, you get your shorts on, you get on the bike and you're gone. You've got your 20-minute workout, quick shower, and, and that's you done. So I'd say that, that that would be it. So if you want to put an overall spend on this, you're probably looking for cycling, you know, on a budget level. You, you might be looking at six, 600, 650 pounds all in or less. Um, you certainly don't need to spend, you yeah. certainly don't need to spend yeah. thousands. <clears throat> and I think the other thing about this as well is that you don't need to go out and buy everything at once. You know, you need to buy, you know, the, the, the essentials. I mean, when I got back into this about six years ago, I literally went out and bought the bike, bought the helmet. I, I had one set of clothes and I had the shoes and that was it. I've only recently in the last couple of years started to use an indoor trainer. Um, I never used to like them. But the, the fact of the matter is for me to do the level of training that I need to do now, I have to use a trainer. It's just not feasible for me to go out in the week Um for hours on the bike and you know in between the kids dinner and my dinner I can set the turbo up I can do a, a, a an hour session interval session on the turbo and that you know that's that's my session in I'm already in the house 
I don't need to go to the gym. Um, but then equally, you know, some, some mornings, um, I need to train and I can't do the turbo. So I go to a gym and I, like you say, I use a spin bike. Um, I use the power meters that's on the bike. So my point is that, you know, just again, look at it as a longer term thing. And, and as you gradually get into this, you can just add, you know, to your kit, essentially, you know, unless you've got an event that you've got planned, you know, you, you, you need yeah, the, that's, the, that's the bare it, essentials really. to I get mean, started. Um, you know, you're always going to be upgrading. And one of the things that as you get into cycling, um, you, you meet lots of people who've got lots of bikes and, and along the way, your best bike becomes your training bike and then it becomes yeah. your winter bike. And, you know, this is just, just part of the fun. You just need a bigger house, there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other expense that we could talk about so um yeah so you mentioned actually in from the, in the beginning tim you were saying that you know you'd, you'd go out with your friend's dad and you'd stick your sandwiches in in your back pocket and and you kind of fuel yourself like that but now cycling is has become very scientific around nutrition and i mean sport in general you know sports nutrition is a massive industry now and, you know, I spend hundreds of pounds a year on my nutrition for events and things like that. Um, so what would you say, you know, nutrition is such a big part of this now. And, and, and I don't think it used to be back in the 80s and the 90s. I might be wrong. But, um, you know, what would you say, how, how would people structure their nutrition um, to kind of, uh, you know, for, for cycle training or, or just in general, what's your general thoughts yeah, around the nutrition? The nutrition industry is multi-billion pound, multi-billion dollar, um, and it's designed mainly to relieve you yeah. of your money. Um, that's the way that it works, as, as in all industries. Yeah. But um, yeah. The, the advances in, in cycling, in, in nutrition, um, certainly, I mean, I remember that from the, from the 80s and, and, and late 80s in particular, that once you started to um, to get glucose polymer drinks, which are basically a carbohydrate mixed drink, once you got that, the, it was a massive game changer, and, and that really really only came in um, in the in the mid to, to late eighties. The, the professionals had that in the in the mid eighties, but once it started in the late eighties and into the nineties, everybody yeah. all of a sudden had that, and that basically meant that my my Sunday rides where I had my sandwiches often on the way home you'd you know particularly on a sunday you'd run out of you'd run out of energy you know you completely run low and you'd be looking for a garage um yeah. on a sunday that was open, that you could buy a mars bar um and, and was anyone who's done this and had this sort of you know this this yeah. feeling of oh you know i'm going i'm never going to see my family again here but you know unless i get sugar um knows what it is but once these um drinks right. came along that that went completely and now of course you've got a, a you know, a bewildering array of carbohydrate drinks, bars, protein uh, bars, recovery drinks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. The main thing is when you start this, it's it's the same with the bike side of things. Just keep it really simple. So, if if you're starting off, and particularly if you're yeah. doing this and you want to lose some weight, this is the first really. The, the The principle is is quite simple. Yes. You eat less, you exercise more. But if you start off by exercising more and keep what you're eating the same you'll start to see some weight loss. You, I wouldn't suggest that you try to manipulate food groups mm -hmm. at all. Um, I mean, recent research, which, which is the biggest piece of recent research that's come out, mm -hmm. and that was um, Stanford University, 609 adults in this study, uh, completely randomized as well. So very, very, very much a valid piece of research. Says that 
whether you cut carbohydrates and eat a low carb diet or whether you eat a low fat diet, the result is exactly the same. And there are, and there are no, there's no, there's, you know, that, that study is, is the largest one that's been done. So it's very much a matter of personal preference as to, as to whether or not you, you look at um, what you're eating and decide, I'm going to make, I'm going to go on a, a, a diet that's lower in fat or I'm going to go on a, a diet that's lower in carbohydrate. But I'll come back to the carbohydrate bit in a minute. The main thing with all of those people in that study okay. was that all of them ate less for that study. So they're, they're calorific. Um, they, they actually all cut calories, even though they weren't told to for the study. And, and then none of them ate things like low fat or low carbohydrate labeled products. So the study out with a low carb bar or something like that they didn't eat things like that they were encouraged not to eat things like that but they all ate less during the during the study so that tells you something straight away you want to lose weight put in less calories put in fewer calories the the carbohydrate thing this has become very much um i think it's less of a hot topic than it was but certainly in cycling you you see this now with the um oh i don't eat carbs before this or i don't do this here and effectively all doing is just manipulating carbs which has been done for years and years with carbohydrate loading and, and all you're doing is just micro loading if you like but mm-hmm. the main thing to, to stress is going back to that hill yep. and you're going back to to the effort level where you're speaking four or five words when you do that the fuel that powers that is 90 to 95 percent carbohydrate so you've enough carbohydrate store glycogen store in your body for about 75 to 90 minutes of exercise beyond that it's gone it's all gone and also if you complete that each time and don't put it back then you will not be able to train at that level and that's that's the line and i see that a lot now with even with very experienced cyclists that they'll come in and say i tried that session the other day tim and or i did a I did a race the other day and i you know 40 minutes into a into a cyclocross race, which is all that threshold or, be, or above, I, I ran out of juice. You know, I just, I, I completely, I just lost it. I lost a lap at the end. Why is that? I said, well, what did you eat <clears> yesterday? <throat> I, I just had a salad. I was on a low carb. Well, there's your answer. You know, it, it, yeah. you want to train properly. You have to, yeah, as an athlete, exactly. you have to, as a cyclist, have a significant amount of carbohydrates. It's got to be the biggest proportion of what you eat. If you want to lose weight, you have to restrict everything. Mm. Just take all carbohydrate, fat, protein, just restrict what you eat. Yeah. But rather than just saying, oh, I'll take this bit away or that bit away, it's a, it's a preference in the end. But for, for an athlete, um, and I'm using this for everyone, for anyone who's trained, you're an athlete. You don't have to, you don't have, to have a gold medal. Mm. Anyone who's trained is an athlete. So you need to fuel no. your training and you should yeah. eat um, carbohydrate when you're doing these um, these harder ones. So I'd say keep it simple. Just eat uh, eat what you uh, eat what you like, but look at the fat yeah. content that you're eating and say, well, am I eating too much cheese takeaways? Am I drinking yeah. too much? That's a big one. Alcohol. Can I can I go three four days a yeah. week without that? Yeah, yeah. If I'm drinking every night, um, you know, can can I cut out a bag of crisps when they hand the biscuits round at work? Do I have to have one? Every day, I don't. You know, I could go to two days, or I could go to three days, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Cut out the rubbish, the stuff that you know is, um, and keep the good stuff, and just watch yeah. the weight come off as you cut the calories down in that way. And it does work. And if you're you're exercising and you're putting your four sessions in, you know the the calorific burn that you get after each session. Again, you're going to burn more calories. Um, 
even after the session. So I say keep it yeah. simple. Yeah, I, I think that's very important. And I think we overcomplicate this way too much. And if you're eating a nutrient-dense diet, you don't need to worry. This this whole thing, and I think you're right, I think it's 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 slowly losing traction around not eating carbohydrates is just an absolute myth because your body needs carbohydrates, like you say, to get energy, glycogen stores in its muscles. And it's so important that, yeah, yeah you might, depending on what your goals are, you might, you know, um, adjust how much you're having. But as you say, you know, you still need that carbs because when you get up to your kind of threshold level, your body needs them carbs. If you don't, you, there's the terminology of hitting the wall or bonking. You'll just run out. And I've done that on a four-hour cycle. I've hit the wall at four hours, which meant I had another four hours to go on the way back. And it's a horrible feeling. And you don't want to be – because the other thing, and Tim, you'll, you'll know this better than me, is that once you are carb depleted, to get carbs back into your system again where it can be used takes a long time. Um, so, so yeah, so I would say that. And the other thing as well, Tim, I would say is that people get far too carried away with all of these drinks. And, and I think in some cases they actually don't understand. So an isotonic drink is very different from a carbohydrate drink and it's a, you use it in very different ways. Um, and you know, I see people going out for rides at less than an hour and a half, loading up with these sugary drinks loading up with sugary joe you don't need it you just need to be hydrated you might need some salts you might need a little bit of sugar but yeah, you I definitely this, don't you know, need this, to be loading up with other, all these drinks and gel the topic there isn't there in, in particular like oral health as well you know that too much of this stuff yeah. is really bad for your teeth uh you do it all the time but yeah no definitely i mean there's there's so much yeah, choice out yeah. there um it's it's important to to just when you start off to just mm. keep it simple and just think in terms of um, durations and you know if you if you're training on the on the on the turbo trainer on a gym bike or even on the road for for half an hour you know the likelihood is you can do that on water you'd be okay with that um, if you you know um, so I think it's, it's just keep it simple at, at first yeah definitely I completely agree so Tim before we finish up. What five key actions could the listeners take away today to to either make a change to their cycling or to to start with cycling? I think we've covered quite a lot. Yeah, but is I mean, there five? I mean, the first one is, is you could highlight. Thinking of doing this, do it. Buy a bike, any bike. Just get out. Remember when you were a kid, like I was. Just ride it, feel the wind, enjoy the downhills, and suffer on the uphills. <laughs> and just if you want to do it, do it. You know, if you've got the budget out and buy something nice it'll make you ride so that's the first yeah two well really i suppose the other thing is yeah. is linked to that if you and this could be an experienced cyclist as well if there's a if there's a piece of kit that you really want and and you're feeling like actually i could do with a bit of a reward here buy it because if it motivates you it, it, you know get into the colors get into get into yeah. buying um, nice clothes or nice perish because on a dull day on a day when you don't want yeah. to go out that's what motivates you. Um, so that's that will be two. Um, I mean, I think the, the one thing I'd come back to yeah, is definitely. if you've not got a lot of time at all and you really do want to train, I would remove what I'd call the faffing about factor and get yourself an indoor an indoor trainer of some sort. And with that, a whole other topic, but you don't need to spend a lot of money. Something very basic. Yeah. Turbo trainer you can put your bike on would be perfect. 
Um, number four really is just going back to back to the frequency being the most important thing, not how long you spend on the bike, but how regularly you do it. Don't listen to other people who say, oh, you know, I, I don't get on my bike for anything less than three hours. doesn't matter. Usually those people are just stuck at the same level for a long time. You go, you go, you put your three or four sessions in a week. Make sure you hit them each week, even if it's 15 minutes. It doesn't matter. And I suppose the last one on that, number five, would be just what we were talking about. Don't overthink the nutrition side of things. Just keep it balanced. Increase your exercise first and then just look yeah. at the rubbish that you're eating and be honest about it and the stuff that you're drinking and cut the stuff that's high in sugar and high in fat out and you'll notice a difference. Yeah, yeah that, that's some great basic advice. And like you say, you know, just keep it simple. Don't faff about. Get out there. And, and this is the one important thing that we sometimes miss as adults and that is absolutely enjoy it. You know, it's not supposed to be a chore. It's not supposed to be... You know, oh, you know, I don't really want to do this. Yes, there'll be times when you don't want to do it, but that is the time when you should do it because I absolutely can vouch for this, and that is once you've done it, you feel a hundred times better um, rather than just kind of shutting the door and, and going back inside. So, yeah, that's some some great advice there, Tim. I really appreciate your time today. But is there before we go, is there anything that um, just really for, I didn't for ask you who, that you're looking at feel this I should have done? Um, I've got I've got this gear now. I've I've been out and I've bought the bike and I've got a turbo trainer or whatever and I'm ready to go. And for those people who are saying, well how much can I actually improve if I structure things in the way that I've just said and talked about there with heart rate. Um, and and with structured training I can I can tell you now that I've seen riders add around about 30% to their to their threshold power. So so if you think about that climb again and going back to it, adding another couple of miles an hour faster going up that, um, just over about three to three to four months training. So you've got, when you start in cycling, you've got at least three years of constant improvement. And often that's unrelated to age as well. So you could be my age and do it. Is enough three years improvement. Once you get to three years, <laughs> then it starts to become you, you start to look at other ways of, of improving and, and, and refining things, but you make big, big progress in the first two. So that would be the, the takeaway from that one. Yeah, that's perfect. That, that's great advice. And yeah, I know from experience, you know, there's always little changes you can make um, and improvements you can you can improve. Um, and, I, and I would summarize it by by saying that. You know, you've, you've just got to understand that this this stuff does take time, but it takes consistency. You need to be consistent, particularly if you're at an intermediate level and you want to advance. Um, you've just got to keep keep putting the, the, the effort in. Um, so that's fantastic, Tim. I really appreciate your time today. Um, where can people contact yeah, or I'm get on, hold of you I'm on if, social media, if they want I'm to find Instagram, out more? At Black, blackcatcyclecoaching.com. Um, also on Facebook, I've got a blackcatcyclecoaching.com page and Twitter. I am at TimBlackCatCC. Um, my website is www.blackcatcyclecoaching.com and you can get me on uh, on the contact form there. What I was going to say is that I'll be more than happy to, um, to put together a little sheet um, with regard to the heart rate stuff that I was talking about that will just give you an idea of, of what to do when you start um, if that helps any of the of the people who are listening, just email me, tim at blackcatcyclecoaching.com and uh, I'll ping that back to you. 
That's great. That's really um, that's really decent of you, Tim, to do that. And I think whoever's listening and, and is you know really wants to get into this, I highly advise you to, to contact him. Um, he's got a great website, put some great stuff out on it on on Instagram and Facebook. So head over to those and, and have a look. So thanks very much for your time today, Pleasure. Tim. Thanks and um, I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe. And I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes. And a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com. <laughs>